Welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join our conversations with professional working artists. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. You had caught us getting ready for the Old Town Art Fair. So we've got a lot on our plate this week. Yeah, I'm going to be driving right through uh, your hometown on my way down. I'll be coming in, coming down from the Minnesota area and, and heading on down through your neck of the woods before I, I hit the Chicago mixing bowl of traffic and everything else. Right. I remember last year I turned into that little neighborhood getting ready to line up for Old Town and I look in the rearview mirror and there you were. You were right on my tail. It was pretty crazy <laughs> last year. <laughs> well, you heard that Sanford and Son theme song blaring dun, dun, from my windows in my junk box truck. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, we talk about the juggling of all of our lives and, and things like this. I've had my kids up in Minnesota for the past couple of weeks. Oh, and yeah. And I'll be taking them down to Chicago with me where we... Uh, Past the baton, uh, my ex and her partner, uh, Kim Eubank and Jonah Green, are going to be at that show as well, showing their their great work. Okay. But, um, doing a little handoff right there in the Windy City. So that'll be kind of That's a little easier than uh, picking up at airports and <laughs> meeting yeah, places kinda. cross country, right? Hey, talk to my kids about that. They'll they'll tell you. But um, okay. it'll be a long drive down there, and then they're going to uh, get to see the city and then head back down to the southwest for camp. Camp. So, oh, yeah. well, good for them. Awesome. Hey, speaking of, I've had trouble with my truck lately. And speaking of driving to shows, okay. I rented uh, – this is kind of an interesting conversation or maybe not. Maybe it's super boring, but I've rented vans the last two times. Yeah. And so I've rented the Transit. And then uh, this this past weekend, I rented the Dodge Promaster, the 2500. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's extra tall. I can – Stand up inside of it. I'm I'm six three. It makes a whatever. difference, doesn't it? A huge difference, but like incredibly easy to load. Mm-hmm. Um, really easy, but god damn, you cannot speed in those things. It is right. You know, you're. I'm coming down out of the mountains of uh, New Mexico and headed east, and we had. Uh, you know, we get all the fronts and especially in the spring when you have these violent fronts, they they start out west first and it's just like wind coming down out of the mountains. So it's like 35, 45 mile per hour winds with, with like 55 mile per hour gusts. Jeez. That thing is a sail. Like that Dodge, mm. that tall Dodge, like my God, like it'll, it'll, it'll change the lanes for you if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, do, are you, do you guys deal with that? I mean, or. Well, we just, we just got the tall and yeah. we have noticed that, well, here's something interesting. I don't know if this is a thing or not. I haven't had a chance to look into it, but so Renee and I are driving back from the last show and she takes the wheel and she's driving and she's on the freeway and she says to me, hey, how do I do the. How do I do the cruise control? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm sure she said like on the the wiper. Nope, not there. So we're trying to learn our new vehicle. And she's like, we bought a van with no cruise control. I'm like, how the, what the fuck? I mean, we don't have a cruise control. I mean, we drive cross country. And then I thought, well, maybe because we're the tall, if it's an issue with, you know, that it's not safe to, I don't know. So people out there can tell me if the tall transits actually I, do come with the cruise control yeah, or not. You you get you you got screwed there because it had cruise Damn. control on my van. Mm. Now if I got knocked with the wind, it had a couple of safety features where 
the wind would come and it would jerk the wheel and then mm. it would hit the um the brakes for me like like wow yeah so there are safety features now i was in a brand new one it had 17 miles on it when they put my when they put me in behind the wheel wow. uh, 17 miles and i was like and now it has 3000 um oh, right. oh yeah i mean <laughs> yep time for an oil change there you go there you go right you Man. know i mean it, it also brings up another point like i've got this truck I, I feel like rental vans are now reliable enough that you can just like if you're only doing eight to ten shows a year mm. are you ever tempted were you guys ever tempted to like rent one as opposed to buying one because I'm, I'm super on the fence right now just like okay i don't know that i want the the payment when it's also like you know i mean granted i rented this thing for two weeks and it cost me about two grand so okay that's a huge expense but you know if i'm just going for a weekend yeah I, I haven't had that thought, but I have thought to myself, geez, wouldn't that be a nightmare to be, you know, when I've seen other people who do that? Mm. But perhaps it is. I mean, if it's in somebody's business model that they're not perhaps driving cross country every time and they have to rent yeah. one, that maybe it makes sense for sure. Well, you do get uh, Enterprise is who I'm using, and mm. um, we are not getting paid by Enterprise by any any damn stretch. But uh, I do use Enterprise because they've got those rental re Enterprise truck rentals. And they have the vans, and then they also have, um, if you're not renting uh, the oversized cargo, mm. which I still had the tall, big, long, tall guy, it was unlimited mileage. So that really? was- Really? Yeah. So- Okay. It's like $500 a week and then unlimited. I don't know what it was. It was just- But, but. you felt like after, when you said that that number though earlier, was that including like the gas for the, what you paid yeah. for it? Okay. Yeah. So- I don't know. I guess you have to you have to put it on one of those spreadsheets, which we know you'll never do to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. I, I will uh, have one of our listeners put it on a spreadsheet and then lecture me at a show, and then I won't listen to them. That'll be. <laughs> and what, then you'll say, I... "Oh my god, I have to leave for the show. My van doesn't work. I need to rent one." <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I like. I just I'm hemorrhaging again. Hemorrhaging money again this year. I hate that. Yeah. I just bought a, a $2,000 crown for my tooth, which was uh, nice. 3D printed, which was really weird. I got a little AI in my mouth little... as much as I have disdain <laughs> for, for the AI world. Um, <laughs> is and, it in the uh, shape of anyone in particular, or is it just mm. a tooth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it looks like an Aaron Heckenberg. <laughs> no, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it's expensive, and then I'm paying to have new shocks put on my truck that I want to take behind the shed and put a bullet in the back of its head. But, uh, man, just, I don't know, bad decisions all around. Oh, now hopefully things turn around on that. But, hey, something interesting that happened at Jesfus, I didn't know that they did this, but they had metal detectors for every guest, patron, whoever walks through the door. Nice. And, I mean, obviously, gun safety is on everyone's mind here. It's only a matter of time before something bad's going to happen out there, you know? Oh, thanks, Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. It's there's gun violence all over the country, and that is a, a huge concern. I mean, how how big of a target do you have to be to have yeah. a a street festival? Um, it's I've terrifying. Heard, I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, thank God the Texas season is over," because we feel like that's gonna be the most likely victim is a Texas show. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or anywhere. I don't know. Anywhere. Anywhere. In the USA. Really? Yeah. If you're gonna shoot up a art show. Wouldn't you think most of the Texas folks are armed anyway? Like, isn't it going to turn into OK Corral? It could. Yeah. yeah. 
Right. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. Like, (laughs) I am the biggest. uh, Like my wife, like controversy uh, and argument and stuff. I just feel like like running away. That conversation just makes me want to like shut your laptop and make it run away. I guess I think what I'm hearing from you, or what I would guess, is none of us are going to stop. We're not going to stop doing art shows because of that. I mean, we're not going to like live in fear. That's not our mo. Right. We're not going to stop living our lives, but the right. reality is it's out there and we think about it. Highland Park a couple of years ago, or was it a year ago, had that shooting right before an art festival a year, you know, a couple of weeks before. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So um, that was too close for comfort. Well, it is, but I, I I live by the world according to GARP rule, like by the by the house that the plane crashed into because it's not going to happen again. Yeah. So was there a safer place probably than Highland Park after the shooting? Probably, probably. not. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, right. everybody, don't shoot up on our show. Don't do it. Don't do that. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad to do that. There, That's... I stopped the stopped the next crime spree. <laughs> New topic. New topic. Yeah. Speaking of shooting, cortisone shots. You ever had a cortisone shot for anything? Uh, No. Well, I got a big ass cortisone shot through the top of my foot a week ago. Are they trying to hide needle tracks? I perhaps <laughs> they, they they found where they did the incision up my foot. I'm having some problems. We're going to shoot it between your toes, Sigworth. That's, That's right. Nobody nobody will find them. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm having some residual nerve issue mm. from leftover from the surgery. So every now and again, it feels like my foot is literally on fire. Ooh. So they said, "Well, we could give you a cortisone shot." And I said, "Well, how does that work? I've had a cortisone shot in other like into my back and whatever." And they said, it's the same thing, just goes through your foot. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Let's do it. Let's take care of it. Until they pull out this needle that like is probably about an eight inch needle. And then they come with it towards the top of my foot. And it's not like there's muscles and flesh around around your foot. It's like they're having to stick it between bones and just jab it in there. It (sighs) It was an experience that I was not. No, no, that's no good. That's no no good. (laughs) So I got shot in the foot. I shot myself in the foot. God. I did want to tell an interesting story from a while back. Um, So right after we did South Lake, I had kind of this really interesting uh, situation happen. A woman walked in our booth and she was looking at one of our signs of examples of how some of our installation pieces can be used. And she Mm -hmm. saw this picture we have of this beautiful English garden floating pond. And she says, oh, my God. That's my mom's house. Her mom has bought our work before, and we had a picture from from her garden. Well, an hour later, I have the same conversation with a different woman. She says, that's my mom's garden. Ah. I'm like, would your sister be here by chance? And she goes, she possibly could be. So that was kind of a weird kind of a coincidence. Well, then her mother sends us a message and says, would you like to come visit my grounds? Oh, I have another another area that I would like to have an installation, and I'd like to have your input on it. Wow. So she used the word grounds. The grounds. Which kind of gave it away. Like, this this is going to be a little fancy. Oh, sure. There's (sighs) going to be, there there will be gates involved. There There will be grounds. It was, it was, it was probably the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life in person. I mean, they had lions at the front entry that were that were imported from Britain. The gates were 
from from the from Europe. We accidentally missed the entrance. I don't know how we missed it. It's this big grand entrance. And we pulled into the area that said surface entry only. <laughs> mm. Well, you you were the you were the help. We were the help, point, yes. You? Yes. So anyway, my whole point of the story was it was so much fun to walk walk around and be shown her, her, her grounds and and to kind of see the other side of our collectors that that we are selling to people who have disposable income and have oh, yeah. quite amazing lives. So right. that was a really, really cool experience for us. Oh, that's awesome. I, I do love to get to to do, you know, I always bitch and moan about the deliveries. There's nothing better than a show where, like you're talking about South Lake, but yeah. South Lake, everybody lived right there yes. that I was, I sold to. So even if I sold big pieces, they were like, thanks. And then they walked down the street mm. and they were, uh, hey, I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Terry and the folks that run that South Lake show. Yeah. I don't know that we talked about it last week, but man, I just, it's an all volunteer group and they fed us and they were calm and they were like, they let us do our kind of our own thing within their parameters. But man, I just really enjoyed my experience there. And yeah, I just wanted to say thank you, since, especially since it is, like I said, an all-volunteer show. It's it's really well done, and I, I enjoyed my time there, too. The second time I've done it, was that your first time? Yeah, first time there in in, um, in South Lake. So um, we have talked in the past about superstition oh. and, um, and, you know, like good luck charms and lucky shirts and all that kind of stuff. Well, sure. little did I know that my backup square reader that takes credit cards— <laughs> I lent that to a really good friend oh. of mine. Oh, who that would be. And Jesus Christ, man, you gave it back and it was hot. I mean, that thing was that thing was so hot. I'm like, why Smoking. why in the hell is this my backup square reader? Oh yeah. So let's that's, just say that's, like... that's my new lucky square reader. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh God, I was I was dry. Have I told the Dolan's boots story before? Uh yes. Yes, you did. He said, okay. here, take them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's like Dolan Guyman's magic black cowboy boots. You know, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Put on those. It's like Superman, Superman's chest. Man, uh, I really enjoyed my talk with David Mayhew this week. Um, he 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 kind of walks the line and and puts himself out on the in the front of danger and and gets out there on the road. So totally cool. I mean, I think back to. What was that movie in the 90s about with Helen Twister. Hunt, like Twister? <laughs> it makes me think of was, that, man. <laughs> that's so funny. I was trying so hard not to bring that up with him. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, man, I, I bet he gets that all the time. I'm you sure know? he does. <laughs> but it's like that's our cultural um, reference, you know, yeah. benchmark and yeah. reference for 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 storm chasing and whatnot so yeah all right david mehew coming down out of the mountains from uh, the mountains of colorado coming straight into the plain states to uh do a little storm chasing hope you folks enjoy the talk this episode of the independent artist podcast is brought to you by zap the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect hey will do you remember the old way of doing these applications with red dots on the slides and self-addressed stamp envelopes do you uh, still have a rotary phone, Douglas? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like that they were with us back then when we made the switch from analog to digital. It's a huge switch, and now Zap is the industry standard. And they're always creating features that make our lives easier, too. So I do like what Zap does, and I do like that most of the shows I apply to are on Zapplication. Exactly. So I personally appreciate what Zap is doing, and thanks for not making us reinvent the wheel every single week like we used to have to do. Hey! <laughs> 
<laughs> nice to see you, sir. Oh, you too. Welcome to the podcast. David Mayhew, storm chaser, photographer. Yeah, let's just let's get right into it. I feel like we're on limited time. We're we're struggling with insurance agents and sleeping yeah. children. If I have to leave, I will be back. That sounds <laughs> good. Sounds good. Yeah. And my daughter's supposed to be asleep. She's currently playing in her room, so we'll see. <laughs> I know how naps go. How old is she? She is three. Okay. Um, usually Tuesday is daddy daughter day, so she, that's the only day she doesn't get daycare. Nice. So I was kind of banking it again now for a nap for us to chat. Well, you know, if it happens, it happens. If not, um, we're, we are flexible. We've tried for a little while to get you on the air, and it's really just kind of shuffling show schedules. and Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And facing tomorrow, potentially. <laughs> yeah, you are getting ready to go on the, the road. Tell me about this trip you've got coming up. Uh, well, i got a friend who should be coming in tonight, but he just texted me saying that his flight was overbooked. Okay. He didn't assign him a seat, so he might not be flying for another six hours. Huh. This year, I've tried to do my art shows earlier in the year, uh, so I can have more time in prime storm chase season, which is usually May and June. Right. My wife is heading out with the little one to Atlanta for 10 days, where she's got family out there. We're heading out in the plains and see what we can find while we're out there. What's your favorite? That's I mean, the is there, you're, you're headed off. I mean, I know where, I know where Tornado Alley is just kind of in song, but where's your favorite place to go look? Well, I'm based out of Fort Collins, Colorado, so whatever's closer to home is best. Yep. Um, Colorado, Wyoming, Nebraska, Kansas are my main stomping grounds, but I've chased everywhere and in between. So we'll, we'll see what this week looks like. It's not looking fantastic, but I might be heading down to Texas Panhandle possibly tomorrow, and I may end up in the Dakotas by the weekend. Okay. Hopefully That's... that moisture gets up there because the Canadian fires need to be put out because we're getting smoked down here. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm more, I'm nervous. I'm headed off to Minnesota coming up by this weekend, and I'm not looking forward to the smoke that's up there. And if it is smoky, we may just mm. stay here in Santa Fe for another week or two. So let's get a little history taken care of first. Uh, we can yep. hear by your voice. You, you maybe didn't grow up in the States, but I could be wrong. Where'd you grow up? Uh, originally from England. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you the full background. So Please. I was actually a design engineer initially. I got into design engineer because I kind of had a sort of artsy background. Uh, my my junior school, I got all the top awards for art because I'd draw everything exactly as I saw it. And then I went to high school and my my, my art teacher was an impressionist. So I went from oh. top to bottom. So yeah. That's why I got into, into the design field so I could draw everything. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but I went through something kind of similar. It was oh, uh, yeah. I went into the fine art program and they were kind of like, hmm. Yeah, look at you drawing things that exist. Mm, that's adorable. So right. I went from from uh, painting and printmaking department over to the illustration department pretty quickly. So I was like Eric Lee; he was architecture before. So yeah, change. Um, so yeah, I got into the design field. I then got a job with Fiat Auto that took me around the world in different roles. So I came to the U.S. designing combine harvesters mm. for Case New Holland in Chicago area. Yeah. And down the road, they had a there was a college that had a meteorology program, so I hooked up with them. Went out, did storm chasing. So in college, you were you were doing that way back when? Uh, well, no, that was after my degree. That was when I was working. But uh, okay, I just hooked up with the college that did it. So yeah, 
So is this uh this is before you met your wife? Because that was my wife's big question was like, how is he married? How does how does he how does right. he get away with his shit? Yeah, <laughs> I told her I was like, yeah, I want to go out with David and uh, go storm chasing. She was like, I don't I don't think so. That yeah, doesn't that sound. Already <laughs> in the mix. I hear the patter of feet around. Where is she? Yeah, get her. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm talking on the phone. She bring her on in. Come here, sweetie. Come say hi. Say hi. Hi. Say hi to Will. Hi, there's a guy on your dad's computer. What's he doing? Hi, <laughs> she just saw me. Hi there. Can you tell she got into her Cinderella makeup kit? <laughs> <laughs> well, you look beautiful. Thank you. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Hey, what do you think about your dad going off and chasing big scary thunderstorms? <laughs> He's silly. Why when, would he do that? When she gets up, upset with me, she says, go back to your art show, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely get that, man. That, that's <laughs> yeah. Minor, minor thirteen and fifteen. I missed that All age. Right. Oh yeah, she still got the Minnie Mouse voice. So. Oh, <laughs> she does. Do you like Minnie Mouse? Yeah. Well, you had to get out of England. You couldn't take photographs of uh, drizzle. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I, I figure in England we have as many words for different types of rain as the Eskimos do for snow. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Raining Definitely. dogs, it's drizzling, it's spitting, it's pouring, whatever. You need yeah. a quiet time, monkey. No, I have more. do. Well, let's see if I can get this one down. As she's done, she's going to be at least an hour. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this is this is kind of the name of the game as far as um, dealing with artists and schedules and mine and yours and everything. So uh, take care of family. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Cleaning makeup off. <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to show up on on screen cover to make up yourself, which is maybe more likely. Yeah, my nails done. <laughs> All, right. All right, David. Talk to you in a minute. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you. Have a nice nap. Uh, art show friends, if you are lucky enough to be um, David Mayhew's neighbor, you always know where the weather's coming from and when. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> yeah. I when I tell you, but I try. Yeah, you do. You do a good job. Better better than the shows sometimes. Yeah, yeah that's that, that I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't tell them. They'll they'll freak out. Well, I was really surprised. I mean, uh, I was at Oklahoma City this year, and in the past, they've they've always bragged about not shutting for severe weather at times when they should yeah. have done, and then they sh they shut for an evening when we just had light drizzle in the evening. It was like, wow. okay, well, <laughs> right. somebody had something to do. <laughs> yeah. So you were in, uh, you came back to the states, and or you came to the states, and you were studying. Well, I was working as a design engineer. Yes, in uh, Chicago. And there was a college close to where I was working that had a meteorology program. Mm. Uh, so I hooked up with them. I went storm chasing and got into that. And just around the same time, digital photography came into fruition. So I had this uh, video camera that took stills at a whopping 640 by 480 pixels. Oh, man. <laughs> and I, yeah. I was <laughs> but what I loved is taking those images and editing them and drawing out the detail, the colors, the vibrance, the contrast. I thought that's kind of fun. Yeah, so I got into that and got fed up with the nine to five, and uh, took my five year bonus and put that into studying photography, the college, and uh, combined my two hobbies and 
Well, then living in Chicago with all, all those shows that are there. Yeah. I was like, well, let's give, let's give that a go. And those were the days where I was happy to have paid for my easy up booth and come home with a couple of extra hundred. Yeah. Those are the days, right? Before you yeah. overcommit yourself and get mortgages to pay for and and uh, adorable little girls in the other room sleeping, right? Yes. She's out now, so that's good. Excellent. <laughs> we, we bought ourselves a 45 minutes or an hour, hopefully, right? <laughs> What was your first storm chasing episode like when you were you were there in in school? How old were you? And and uh, well, tell tell me about that. How old was I? Uh, that was two thousand and one. Okay. Don't make me do the math now. I'm no, so tired. that's all right. <laughs> Belleville, I'm looking after the three year old. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great. But the problem with with doing the, the college trips was they pick a week, mm. and if nothing happens that week, you got nothing. You're done. Uh, yeah, so it's it's nice to be a little more flexible. But now I've got to balance it with art fairs. So that's that's the big challenge there is when to do art shows and when to go chasing. So, yeah. What um yeah. you know, just talking about art shows, I mean some some of these shows that we do, you've gotta to want to just set your camera up and watch the tents go flying. I mean Yeah, that's a double whammy for me, is uh because I know what the storms can do, so yeah. it makes me freak out when they come through during a show. Yeah, so I often text a lot of a lot of people I know at the show. I've actually started by Doug's suggestion. I've, I've created art fair weather forecasts mm. um, on Facebook. Okay, um, art fair I'm weather for art fair weather forecasts. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's going to fly much. Maybe other people who are doing shows can post on there, and other people follow. If I'm doing a show, I'll post on there and tell my usual crew. You know, check it out on Facebook, and I'll keep you posted if there's anything to be worried about so right on I mean, it's perfect you were texting me <laughs> i think i told you you were like the sixth person to text me about fort worth while i wasn't there hey you were doing this at fort worth <laughs> now we're doing this. oh i just made a bunch of money hey and i'm like hey everybody f off <laughs> you're <laughs> like hey the weather at fort worth is like i'm not there and you're like hey calm down buddy take it I know, take I it easy your, your last podcast and it does hurt not to be in main street that one eh, is yeah creme de la creme it sets the standard for the year it does it does and how many freaking shows do you have to do to make up for it when you don't make the ones that you want to do right yeah <laughs> anyway so your first uh your first experience storm chasing was it successful with the college stuff, yeah, it's kind of up to them Yeah, where we go, and they're a little more cautious. But stepping out on my own, this, this, was, this was before smartphones, yeah. right? I mean, not like to age myself. Right? Wow, <laughs> yeah. Back, back when we started with the college, they would have to stop at libraries to use the internet to do forecasting to see what's going on or call back to the uh, the lab, the meteorology lab, to see what they needed to do. But right. when I first went out, I didn't even have, have any of that. I just picked an area, went down there, and... What came at me came at me. Right? <laughs> did did you get lucky or or no? I mean, it just it's it definitely scratched an itch of some kind. Well, my first ever storm chase, I took a photo that was my bestseller for ten years. Oh my gosh! Your first trip was, out? Yeah, it was just a, a corn crib, a white corn crib in Illinois with stormy skies in the background and um, a wheat field in the foreground. Yeah, I know it was um, corn field of corn you've got a i mean you've got a niche i mean it's not just storm chasing it's like they're kind of action shots too there's there's really not anybody else that i can think of that's doing photography out on the circuit that that is doing live action kind of photography of, of catching motion I, I maybe maybe you can think of somebody but i'm sure there are folks out there screaming at the <laughs> i'm sure there is <laughs> i'm like there's me there's me i've never thought about the 
the action. Well, Redeem has the action of his fireflies. Don't forget that. That's, oh, yeah. That's that's, that's true. Yeah, risky business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that brings me to a point that I, I wanted to make about um, photographers in art shows. Because if you remember way back when, mm-hmm. when, back when I started shows, if you go around an art show back then, you'd see a lot of the same images. It would be Southwest Photography. Yes. Crystal Mills, Maroon Bells, Aspen Trees, all the same. Yeah. But you look around at what everyone's doing now, there's such a diversity. It's so much better. Everyone's got a unique niche. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot more of a wide scale of what everyone's working on. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it, it all seemed to kind of fall under the category of if you know where it is, you can find it and you can go and right. get the shot. Exactly. I had a non-art show friend post a picture of wherever it is in Pennsylvania where the roof is is coming in in a prison and there's an old barber chair sitting and the the roof is gone. I'm like, that mm-hmm. I've seen that at art shows and this guy was not. I'm like, oh, it's not his work. He just knew where it was. <laughs> you know? right. So so it yeah, all yeah. kind of I mean, it's it it is important, I think, these days to find your your niche your your niche yeah and you've definitely found it but it, tell me a little bit about like um you said i mean your first trip out you got lucky what is i mean what does storm chasing involve tell me about this trip you're getting ready to go on and 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 how you right. you set up for something like that so my car is set up with a, a laptop in the vehicle where i get mobile data for for radar yeah and plus gps so i know where i am relative to the storms so I look at the forecast models online, uh, most of which are done out of Boulder here in Colorado. Um, it's just computer-generated, anticipated what anticipate what the storms are going to be, and they're right. getting pretty good. But you've got to look for various conditions for tornadic storms to form. You've got to have shear, which is changing speed, wind speeds at different layers. Yeah, Think about it this way. If you put your two hands together and you had a rolling pin between your hands and you move them differently, of course, nobody can see what I'm showing you here. No, but you're but describing it well. If your hands are moving in different directions or at different speeds, you get a roll, a horizontal roll. Okay. Then you get uh, lift. Um, if you see the back of the storm, you get the, the cumulus climbing tower um, up the back of the storm. That turns that roll into a vertical spin. Okay. And that's some of the premise of tornado formation so you've got to have the shear you've got to have lift which is usually a front or an outflow boundary from another storm instability so moisture and heat so it's so like it's you've got like one front coming in on top of the other or or one air mass coming in on top mass. of the other and then yeah. if something really violent happens that's what kind of pulls it up on its end is that yeah so basically as a, as a cold if a cold front is coming through the cold air is heavier and yeah. more dense so that comes underneath so the front if you look at the the atmosphere vertically you're going to have a sort of a certain degree of elevation where whatever's hit, hit hitting that gets lifted up as okay. it moves through and it pushes to the atmosphere so then you've got a parcel of air moist warm air that initially rises at the dry adiabatic rate when it hits the condensation level it lifts at um the wet adiabatic rate but so basically it's a warm moist parcel in a cold moving into cold air because you've got colder air aloft okay imagine all these winds coming off the rocky mountain up at altitude it's cold air up there and you're forcing this balloon with warm air into it right once that warm balloon hits that air it's just going to whoosh up keep going up and up do you have to have the i mean i know the plains the plain states are where 
we we think of as tornadoes. I mean, the things with with mm-hmm. global warming and everything seems to be moving and and changing a little bit. But yes. typically, you're you're getting into the plains. Do you need that space in order to create the tornadoes? Uh, it's not so much space. Basically, with global warming, some of my um, friends that I've chased with the meteorologists did a white paper a few years ago saying that Tornado Alley is actually moving southeast mm. into what is now called Dixie Alley. So Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana are now getting hit really hard. And that tends to be really early season stuff, yeah, like February, March kind of time. And those move through as a big cold front pulls down. It's a big squall line. And chasing there is less than optimal. You've got trees, you've got hills, and highly populated areas. I'd imagine, so, too, yeah. it could kind of sneak up on you, so you're not exactly yeah. knowing where yeah. it is. People don't see it's coming. So um, chasing for me in places like Kansas and Nebraska, where it's flat. And what I love about western Kansas is you actually have a grid network of roads every mile. Wow. There is a north to south and an east to west. In those places, you don't even need to look at a map you just <laughs> you just go and say well, oh midwesterners thank you for your grid yeah <laughs> that's, that's amazing yeah, it makes it a lot easier yeah so. so we know all right we're, we have our science lesson a little bit we know what, how right. they're formed and and um you've got your radar and that's how you're you're chasing them down but i mean it seems like it, it's such a you have to have almost like pinpoint accuracy in order to find those storms but you're just you're Getting yourself, I mean, are you chasing or do you find yourself getting in the way of them and just waiting to, or you, how does it work? Right. It, it depends. I mean, it, it, early season storms tend to move faster than later season. So for a lot of those storms, positioning ahead of the storm is optimal Yeah, and try and let them come to you because trying to keep up with some of them is, is impossible. Imagine a storm that's moving northeast at... 45 miles an hour mm-hmm. and you're having to drive east then north then east then north to keep up with it yeah you're barely going to get a chance to jump out and take a photo of it but later season stuff which is what i try and target tends to be more isolated slower moving and better structure interesting so where are you yeah. i mean this sounds like a lot of time in the car like even more time in the car like how much how much time do you do you spend driving around when you're off chasing Sometimes you get a pattern where the storms are in the same area. Right now, there's the Texas Panhandle. There's probably three days of chasing right down there, back to back. Okay, uh, probably not going to make it down there for it. But um, an average, I calculated a few years ago, an average storm chase was 550 miles in a day. Mm. That's an average, and I've done over a thousand miles a number of times. The last chase I did, uh, which was still here in Colorado, where I got the hell damage that I showed you. Yeah, you sent me, tell me, tell me a little bit about that one. I mean, that was, you sent me, you're like, oh, just, just out there chasing. And I, I mean, I think of East Coast hail and it's like pink, 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 pink. And "Eh, I'm not going to go outside for a minute. And this was really violent. I mean, how big were these pieces of hail? Looking at the dents on my vehicle, it was at least three inches. Wow. At least that's the circle on the windshield where it cracked out with a circle. It broke um, your windshield out. Broke my, smashed out the windshield, the sunroof, and smashed in one of the rear side windows. Fortunately, the front windshield and the sunroof have a laminate on them. So even if the glass is all cracked right. and shattered, it doesn't cave in. It holds up. Okay. And it's, the, the guy was telling me it's supposed to take a 2,000 pounds of pressure per square inch wow. before it will cave in. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're mostly covered. You know, you, you got that. So yeah. you're you're telling me one of the reasons we were juggling a phone conversation was both uh, your your sleeping three year old, but then also 
State Farm, your insurance, do, do they know what you're doing? I provide them with the correct answers to the questions they <laughs> query on. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect example. <laughs> um, my, my, my wife's background is a lawyer, and she basically says, whatever question you answer, just give a short, precise answer. Don't yeah. divulge additional information that you, 100%. you don't need. And that's exactly what I've done. I haven't told them. I haven't denied it. And that goes for everybody. I mean, that that happened even somebody cut out my catalytic converter when I was uh, parked in a parking lot in Texas. Mm -hmm. I had to get to the show and I, you know, my setup window. And so I was like, well, there's an exhaust light on here and I'll I'll deal with it later. I called my my diesel mechanic buddy who was like, yeah, you're fine. Just, you know, you you do whatever unless, you know, something else is going on. But turns out they had sawzalled the entire catalytic converter out and when they were asking me questions about that i'd already been screwed over by an insurance company and i'm like they're like well how long did you drive it i drove it immediately to the dealer <laughs> you know, like i didn't tell them <laughs> right. anything yeah. they're like well i'm not a mechanic i'm not i don't feel comfortable answering that sir we just asked you so yeah it's a need to know basis for sure right darren olson's had his cut out three times two this year already three times but yeah, I just saw him at Belleville, and he said he just had it done at Brookside as well as um, Bayou in mm. Houston. Wow, that's um, yeah. He, he had it replaced down in Bayou, and was get, and he's already ordered up a kit that's a security, okay, what, whatever something that wraps around yeah. so they can't take it off. And before he even got back to get it on, they took it again. Come on, I wonder and if it's, it's the his, same. This is a small. I think it's a small box truck. Yeah. I've got a Dodge Ram 3500. It's a $1,500 part lined with plat uh, platinum, I think, is what it's lined with. It's like it's it's a really expensive part, or they could strip it out and just uh, metal, you know, just for metal. But um, mm. it cost six, dollars $7,000 worth of damage that they did to my truck because they nicked all sorts of stuff underneath there. Mm. But um, anyway, all right, tell me, uh, give me some storm <laughs> stories. Let's get down into the, let's get into the shit. You've been in the, yep. <laughs> you've been down in it. Let me tell you, tell me some of your worst stories. I want to, I want to hear, well, let's pick your okay. brain. Let's get down in it. Yeah, well, I already told you about Dixie Alley and how that's moving down there. Yeah. Uh, Do you ever get caught in there? Uh, no, I've not gone to Dixie Alley. I, re I refuse to chase. It's like, the, it's like the storm chases that go for hurricanes. I mean, I don't want to be in it. Right. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that's, that's too much for you. Yeah, I want to observe it, but not participate. Yeah. In it. So basically, I've seen the two widest ever recorded tornadoes. Mm. One was 2.5 miles wide in Hallam, Nebraska, and the oh biggest was 2.6 miles wide in El Reno, uh, Oklahoma. Those storms are just very daunting because obviously they're big tornadoes. Yeah. But just like the the whole tornadoes come out of a mesocyclone out of the out of the, the wall cloud. But it's like the whole wall cloud is sitting on the ground. So it's basically a big cloud on the ground. Yeah. So photogenically, there's not much opportunity there and it's very high risk. The problem with the El Reno one was it changed direction and sped up. Uh, mm. It actually took the lives of three of my chase colleagues as they were coming in from the north. It was the storm was heading east. It suddenly took a northeast trajectory trajectory and sped up. Wow. And caught them out as it uh, went up there, and then it hit the interstate and then turned east again, which was very bizarre. So, but the the thing about that storm, that was that's uh, May 31st, I think, um, 2013. So it's going to be the 10-year anniversary of that coming up. Wow. And, and, and there you go, and you're just going out into it again tomorrow, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. 
But yeah. that one, that one, I bailed because I knew it was a nasty situation. I couldn't see much. I always tell people there's no point taking a photo; no one's ever going to see. Yeah, and there wasn't an opportunity there for for me in particular. I, I did get photos of the tornado, but nothing that would be hanging on the wall for in, mm -hmm. a, in someone's house. So, I mean, that kind of brings us to um, the. I want to hear more more kind of uh, the fun part of the stories. But you're talking about your colleagues. <laughs> lives yeah. being taken and yeah. i mean that's that's one thing of, of getting these beautiful images of like the contrast of these the the storm and the light and the color and all mm -hmm. of the things that, that you're capturing in your work but at the same time once you've captured that i mean what's the the decimation like after the fact do you ever just stick around and kind of kind of see or uh usually not because usually when you're storm chasing you have to be ahead of the storm because if you're behind it and it hits something then the roads are going to be closed or blocked or right. even just too wet to travel on so usually ahead of the storm there was one of the college trips we went and saw some damage the day after and yeah it's pretty harrowing stuff yeah for sure yeah i mean it, it brings brings some levity to the the kind of the beauty of your work too i mean it's it's right. it's uh the the tragedy most of it's out in the middle of nowhere. That's the benefit. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of people think that when storm chasers are in the area, we're bad omens because we bring the storms with them. But mm. it's kind of the opposite. We actually report what's there so people know what's heading their way. Okay. If they see us in, in the area, they know to check their radios or TVs and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. And are you just in a regular car, like just a regular? Yeah, it's. Uh, I have a currently I'm yeah. a Subaru Forester. Okay. Basically, with my engineering background, I drew up a list of all the things that were important. And number one is reliability. You've mm -hmm. got to have a car that can get you there and get you away. Number two for me was visibility. You got to see what's coming at you. I've actually just bought a reversing camera that I'm going to mount to the roof that you can turn on and off at will, so I can see what's behind me when I'm racing away. Because I've actually missed a couple of tornadoes because yeah. I've been out of my visibility range. So a couple of brief ones. Uh, one of the other things is um, fuel economy and fuel range. There's nothing worse than being on a storm and having to turn around to go and get gas. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. I went out with a colleague and he had to do that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <This sucks. laughs> uh, and then, of course, some off-road capabilities. But, I mean, 98% of your driving is going to be on paved roads. Right. When, when I got this new car, I went chasing in Nebraska. And the town was called Beaver Crossing. Um, where the tornado ended up hitting. It, it, the first tornado that dropped was so gnarly. It was just, it's the sort of thing that you see in the movies where the storm's growling like a lion. Oh it was God. just, it just <laughs> felt off. Yeah. Um, so I, I was chasing this and uh, I said, well, I'm going to play it safe. I've got a new car. I'm going to stick to the paved roads. So when I was heading away from the storm, I got hit by what's called the rear flank downdraft. It's winds that come around the back of the tornado which create the circulation. And these winds were actually 100 miles an hour. And that was carrying a lot of debris. Wow. Um, so I was four miles away from the circulation of where the tornado was when this hit me. Had I taken the, the dirt roads, I would have been out of there and ahead of it. <laughs> Not a problem. But I, was, I was playing it safe. Right, uh, of it course. It out the three windows down one side and coated the inside of my vehicle with mud. Um, and the telegraph poles that were beside me started bending. I just, fortunately, I was at the end of the road of the telegraph poles. Yeah. I had to drive forward another 20 feet, and they all snapped off behind me. Oh, wow. So, yeah. You can hear them flexing, too? Like, are they just kind of, they're they're bending? Like, what's that look like? They flex a little bit, but, you know, my, my eyes are all over the place. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. At the time, so. 
but yeah, I was just fortunate to be able to move forward and get out of the way of that. And another another chaser got hit by an irrigation line. You know, you know when you fly and you see those circular fields, yeah, the irrigation lines that go around. Yeah, one of those flew into his car and stuff. So, oh man, just from the from the rear flank down draft. So, yeah. Are you traveling yeah. with guys that are uh, like scientists, guys? I mean, are you the only photographer that 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 does what you do? I know everything. Well, many people from both sides of the world. There are a lot of meteorologists out there. Uh, obviously, being associated with the college, I know a lot of those meteorologists. Mm -hmm. Then there's a lot of videographers who sell their videos to the Weather Channel or whatever. Oh, right. That's money doing it. A few do it for, for photography, but. I say I'm a I'm a photographer that storm chases, and most of most other folks are storm chasers with a camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, a, a that makes sense. Different side to it, if, you, if that's my perspective. Yeah. anyway. but there's there's obviously there's some great other people who get some great shots out there for sure. And I'm not because of my art fair season, and I'm a three year old. I'm not out there as much as some of them. Some of these guys are pure storm junkies and just out there all the time. Yeah. Do you, do you get a, I mean, you have to get a charge out of this. I mean, this has got to be, you'd, you'd have to kind of throw yourself into the, the description of, of junkie, uh, storm junkie or no. If I go out for a week straight, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done with it yeah. by the end of a week. And these guys are going for months and on an end. There's one guy, um, Daniel Shaw, who comes in from Australia each year and does three months straight. Wow. Yeah. There's some, some really committed guys. And these, um, I mean, the storms keep, they seem to be getting worse and worse. Is it, are you seeing that too, or are we just paying more attention to the storms, and so we think like they're getting more reported, and so it seems like they're getting worse, or or is that true? Yeah, there's two sides to that coin. I think things are getting worse, but mainly because of stuff moving down to Dixie Alley, that's a more populated area. Stuff's yeah. getting hit down there, and uh, so there's more damage, more death, right. and so forth down there. I mean, I'm from the south. All of our power lines are above ground. And, right. you know, if they yeah. that, to you know, and it's like my wife, you know, we were first dating and she moved to Richmond and we'd get a bad thunderstorm and all the power would go out and some people would be out for a week or two, you know, just from mm. a, a, she's like, that was just a thunderstorm. Right. Like, why? Like, so we have all these gigantic oak trees down south and they're, you know, a limb falls and knocks out an entire power grid. So yeah, you're you're chasing. You're headed off. Uh, where do you head out? Like, what do you? What do? You, what's your first first direction? Depends on where the storms are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, so my my planning for a day is basically looking for the best target area as far as where moisture is concerned. You want winds to be backing at the surface to, to cause the turning in the atmosphere for tornadoes. But you also want to consider the, the road network. So usually I'll try and find a location that what, there's a good junction of major roads so I can adjust quickly. Yeah. And sometimes I'll pick an area that has an overall better road networks than another, even if the other area is looking better, just because it's, you know, yeah. you're more likely to get the shot that you want. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, seeing storms form and seeing that rotation in the sky, even before it drops, it's just exhilarating and you get so many different textures, colors at sunset. And what I tell everyone who comes to my booth is everything that I photographed is a once in a lifetime moment you know, that yeah. moment has gone it's never going to repeat that so that's one of the beauties is that nobody can do like like we were talking earlier about uh, going to a fixed location and everyone can go get that shot right Once, what i've got nobody else can get because that moment's gone so yeah. that's kind of neat do you look at photographers like um, matt hemminghouse who, who uh, make a like a little diorama with his chickens in his uh, living room and just <laughs> think he's a huge pussy 
<laughs> he's got it easy. He's got it easy. <laughs> I <laughs> love I love Matt Hemminghouse, and that's just a, yeah, that's, he's a great guy. Yeah. Well, I, I always think about when I think about the art shows, I think about how every different medium has its pluses and its minuses. Mm-hmm. The grass is always greener over there. So I think a lot of people think that photographers have have it easy because all you need is a camera, you get a shot, and you can sell it multiple times, right? And you just need to reprint it. But if you look at what's being photographed, there's a lot to getting that shot. Yeah. So for me, I've got to have a vehicle. I've got to do all those miles. I've got to have my laptop set up. I've got to have all the data with me, and it's a big risk in what I'm doing. So right, it's not just. I mean, sometimes I, I think painting has it easy because I, I wish I could go down to my basement and just yeah. ma- make some pieces down there as opposed to going to all this effort. When I go out, there's no guarantee what I'm going to get if I'm going to get anything. So right. um, how, how often is it that you get a, a new shot? Like, are you looking to get a couple of new shots a year or does it just kind of depend on the, the season? My goal is five good shots each year. Nice. Um, and by five good shots, I want, stuff that's going to be in my the limited edition pieces that i sell the bigger pieces right usually in my booth i try and swap out i'd like to say a quarter of my booth each year just to change things up with yeah. new shots so my larger pieces i do limited editions of 30 so i keep them keep them tight mm-hmm. um that way it encourages me to go out and get more which brings me to your point from your last conversation with the coconut grove uh director yeah, please. I, I blank on her name camille marchese Yes, so she, she was saying she moves artists around so that it mixes up the show, which I totally get from her point of view. And I, I could hear in your voice that you were thinking, well, booth spot for me is pretty important. Yeah. Same for me. I think it's, it comes down to, I mean, that that's not a bad philosophy, but I also think it's down to the artists to change up their stuff too. I agree. There's a number of booths that I've seen that look the same year after year, and I think some of them need a breath of fresh air, and mo- most people do. But uh, yeah, I think it's the onus is on on the artist as well as the show to mix things up. I totally agree. That's funny. Yeah. I'm glad that you made that point because it's a point that I did not make with her that I wish I had. But I, we all have a tendency to to lean into the stuff that sells, and it's tough to bring yeah. new images into the booth. And there are pieces that I've done that I'm, I've definitely I've had to retire because of my own sanity and i can't just continue to make them right but then i'll run into people at a a show and they're like how do you still paint something that looks like this and i'm like yeah that's that was definitely me and you know you give it a little bit of breathing room and you can rethink something but um i agree with you that's that's you've got to have the new stuff uh in your booth to excite people year after year but to keep it fresh I love what you said about photography too, and I want to bring back that point and kind of kind of talk about that again. Yeah. About it, it, the grass is always greener. I mean, I joke with Douglas right. when he's talking about his his kiln and his, you know, right, yeah, the the furnace and having to take out the bottom of the furnace and all this glass, and then he nerds out about glass stuff that I, I'm like, I can't even hear you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go on, right. and I'll be like, Gosh, I I know what you mean. I, gosh, I have this box of paint. It must have weighed 15 pounds. And, uh, you know, I I can set up my easel and my my studio and I'm getting ready to move up to Minnesota again for the summer, uh, skipping the the desert, desert sun. And um, it's it's not going to take me that much. But at the same time, it takes me so long to make a painting that it's like then. But yeah, I can I can make it in rain and doesn't matter what the weather is. Just I just need some light and an easel and my pens and brushes. So. That's easy, but you have to be in the right frame of frame of mind for what you're doing right. too. So it's 
sit going down to the basement. I'll just slap another one on. <laughs> exactly. Go. And then what your, your issue is that you've got to have enough stock for all the shows that you're doing. Yeah. If you have as, as successful as you are, you may <laughs> run out of one show for the next show well, and have to cancel out. Whereas I can just send in an order to to get more pieces done. Right. And so that's my plus. And I finish a painting and I'm going to show it. Right. When I'm done with it, it's it's done. It's like it's one painting, you know, and yeah. you're taking how many... I can't. I can't even imagine how many images you are going to go through after you're done storm chasing this week. Like how many? How many yeah, images? I this year I've started showing an image that I took in 2014 because I went back because I had one from that same day yeah. that I was going to retire from art from the shows because it's not selling as well. Mm-hmm. I went back and thought, oh, I missed this one. Let's print that one now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and of course, you you seen my you saw my hand etched metals, didn't you? Where I'm doing all the metal grinding as well. I did. Yeah, talk to me about that. Yeah, what's, what's happening there? Well, during COVID, I got bored and I got my hands on some power tools. Yeah, <laughs> the lab prints on an aluminum sheet, sends it to me. I grind out the shapes. Different brushes have different effects. Some more sparkles, some more swirls for the chaotic clouds. Yeah. So I do that, clean it off, send it back to them. They reprint. They send it back to me, and I put an epoxy resin on top. Wow! So, so they're reprinting the, the same piece. image on top of the other. Yeah. Okay. Do they have to line so it up properly? Be, yeah, it's 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 bang on. So basically, I can be as detailed as doing individual stalks of grass with a Dremel tool. Cool. Um. Yeah. So those pieces are kind of more one of a kind piece, so I can command a higher price for those, and they've been getting received fairly well yeah. so yeah i'm gonna keep going with those so I, I love the tactility i love to get my hands dirty on some of that stuff too it's not just me running out and clicking a few shutters here and there <laughs> and saying job done it's more to it than that yeah that's really yeah. interesting it's it's interesting to see what covid has done to all of us and and the different kind of right. ways we've taken i don't know taken our work in different directions i definitely feel you on that it's interesting to see what people have, have come up with it has changed my perspective on setting up art shows because I used, I, I hate, I'm not a big fan of setting up and tearing down mm-hmm. and all, all of that. And I used to be a bumbling, grumbling, don't talk to me while I'm setting up, yeah. get out of my face. And now I'm like, well, I'm grateful that I'm here. So yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of enjoying the setup a little more than I was <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, noise canceling yeah. headphones uh, help me quite a bit. Those little AirPods I put in and I'm listening to music or a book or a podcast or something. Yeah. But I come off as a just an arrogant prick because I'm like, hey, Will, hey, <laughs> hey, that guy's a jerk. <laughs> I, just, no, I, I can't hear it, you. You know so many people, and if everyone comes up to you while you're setting up, depends on the show. I mean, some shows you can take your time, and if they give you time, I take too much oh, time. Me too. But some shows you've got that two hours. I mean, that's what I uh, like. I, I always talked about on the show about like I, I like those longer shows and. Typically, though, you are talking to the same people like Oklahoma City. I've noticed that you do talk to the same folks all week. You know, whether they're going to buy from you is one mm-hmm. one thing. But they I do feel like they talk to you all week long and kick your tires and they might come back and, and buy something later on. Right. Yeah. Oklahoma City is a love hate relationship. I'm, I'm so glad that the it's been run. It's now there's new management It's being run more with the artist as yeah. the heart of the show as opposed the festival that's carrying artists they're looking after us now so that i'm very happy to see that and had a good show this year oh that's great that's great news and you didn't have any um photo opportunities at the show (laughs) (laughs) no i mean the first part of the week was on and off wet which made that kind of miserable to to sit around that that tuesday wednesday thursday is like yeah hi i'm here (laughs) right 
the weekend was great and that's what we needed the saturday was was just what i wanted so right so if, if what's your uh what what are your top three uh shows that you think people could possibly die at for because of the weather like i i feel like oh. some, <laughs> yeah, well, some of these shows that we do i feel like they're they always get hit with like the craziest storms but well belleville illinois yeah always gets a front coming through and there's always booths going down this year we did not have that mm. we had light drizzle at, at opening on friday and a close on friday and the weekend was was beautiful so that nice. was a big change yeah oklahoma city is is right in prime territory there more oklahoma is just down the road and that's renowned for big tornadoes they already had some this year i keep seeing posts on austin texas yeah haven't you seen quite a few of those i think that seems to be getting hit a lot I, that seems I to get hit show. quite a bit but there are any are there any shows down there well there's uh, i'm sorry there's armadillo i i actually met my wife because of um des moines nasty weather we got chased off the oh, street yeah. and and i met her at a uh, little bar there called Django and and met her and uh cool. yeah so you know this the storms bringing bringing uh little lovely things into your booth and and uh, lovely things into my my life as well so it's 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 good sure. i love those storms those kind of i don't know the the des moines storms where it looks like somebody's just poured like a cup of ink into a cup of milk <laughs> you know when you're looking out across uh -huh. the and you're like, what the hell is yeah. that? Like, I haven't ever even seen anything like that. <laughs> but uh, any particular yeah. life uh, life risking uh, moments there on the road for you? I'm sure there are some, but I don't like to put my life on the mm -hmm. line. I mean, we have to suffer far up. Yeah. There's only so far I'm going to go. Um, the, the biggest threat for me is not actually the storm or the tornadoes. It's driving. Yeah. Either driving long hours and long distances or... When you're on a storm, there's a lot of storm chases and there's a lot of what we call Yahoo chases, which are locals who say, I see there's a storm out there. I'm going to go chase it. And they just <laughs> drive out with no idea, nothing on their phone and blow through stop signs and red lights oh, and overtake in heavy rain and hail on one way roads without being able to see what's coming. It's it's a little ridiculous. But so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different groups of us in amongst storm chases and some of those the ones that give us a bad name are those yahoos that are just out there for for shiggles as i like to say <laughs> right and are you seeing like is there a similar community that you you run into with with storm chasing like you do with uh art shows and in the art world like we yeah, only definitely there's both my art, art fair family and the storm chase family tell me a little bit about that community what's yeah. that community like it's a, a pretty good community i know a lot of people out there and often if you're in the same area there's there's the spotter network so on the the radar system i mean i i could show you here but no one's going to be able to see it <laughs> it's a right. podcast. but you can see all the dots of where everyone else is and who's out there so you'll see who's around and try and catch up with some folks when you're out there so how, how yeah. do you go about capturing one of your images are you do you set your tripod up or are you just grabbing the camera and, and going kind of on the fly or like, how do you, how do you do that? I'm now shooting with a 62 megapixel camera. And when you're that high resolution, any shake you'll notice when you go into the detail. So it depends on the moment. If I have time and it's a golden shot, I will get that tripod out. I have two different tripods. One's a little quickest to set up than the other. And the other's a little more sturdy in wind. But my best pal is a monopod, mm. which is a single arm. You squeeze a trigger, you put your foot on the bottom, you extend it up to the height you want, and then you've got a certain degree of stability. And then you just 
crank it down and throw it in the car and off you go again so wow if you're too close and you've got a very brief moment to get that shot before you before it's bye-bye kansas yeah then that's what i use very cool yeah so you're, you're you're pretty careful out there your wife isn't getting too angry at you for for taking many risks you're not much of a risk taker in spite of what you do for a living it's a calculated risk yeah i mean r- rule number one is always have an escape route so <clears throat> when people are in my booth and look at one of my tornado shots they say were you scared at the time i said well no i see it i know where it's going yeah. and i'm by a road that's going the other way so i'm fine um it's when it's wrapped in rain or there's multiple storms the the storm with the the hail that caught me out was between multiple storms there and they're fast moving and low visibility and yeah i remember one of these storms i got called in off the wait list for cherry creek one year and i was heading back from des moines and i was leaving des moines and and i got the call well i'm yeah i whatever i made the call (laughs) and i was like hey got any room so they actually had a spot anyway turned around and and i kept getting texts from all of my friends on the road that were like oh my god i know you you're headed this way but but hunker down somewhere because it's really nasty and that was as scary a storm as i've ever seen coming Mm -hmm. across the plains like just rocking plus i was in a a van at the time a high profile van which people Man, right. I'm going to talk a little bit about that with Douglas when we do the preamble for this, but it's like, it's a different beast. He drives a van. I've always had a truck uh, with a big, long bed, and it's a different, you know, it's a much more aerodynamic thing, whereas this is just like, it's just like you're in a box kite right. pushing you all over the road. Yeah, I hear a lot of stories of other artists, because obviously we're crossing the country and right through Tornado Alley quite a lot, so a lot of people are going to encounter this stuff, so... And I actually just got interviewed by um, BBC Radio in England because they just started doing the emergency alert system that we we have over here, you know, when mm. dog gets abducted or severe weather, which for me is, I mean, it's a great system, but when I'm storm chasing, I, I'm on a storm and I know there's a storm, suddenly my phone starts blaring at me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm here. You're like, no, no shit, I'm trying to get the shot. Yeah, exactly. So, oh. annoying. Well, yeah, it is. Or, you know, if they tell you there's an Ambler alert and somebody's getting picked up by a white van, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not not good for us on that end. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of people at uh, gas stations who have driven through stuff who are just completely freaking out. I'm sure. it's it, Yeah. That's why it's nice to know what I'm going into. I mean, I'd, I'd suggest to all artists traveling, make sure you have a an app that has radar. I use Radar Scope. I actually subscribe to a different data, which gives me lightning and other stuff as well. But um, you can at least see the direction of the storms, where they're going, where you're at relative to the storm. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have an app that uh, you'd suggest for us traveling besides Radar Scope that, that combines travel with weather? Is there something out there like that yet? I don't know, because you really have to know what's there. Most most apps aren't going to tell you what's happening somewhere right. else that you're heading to, because they don't know where you're heading to. Yeah. So. For forecasts, I always double check the National Weather Service forecasts for local areas because a lot of the apps just use computer generated numerical models without somebody actually doing a forecast yeah. for you. A lot of areas have microclimates that are going to change things a little bit. Um, you got to know what happened, what's going to happen, what's happened the day before to know what's being set up, set up today as opposed to just looking at models. What's, what's the one that I. 
I'd, I'd have to close close out to oh. get <laughs> right. that I've got in there. Yeah, but I mean, it just seems like yeah. there's... Oh, cl- cl- Climber, I think it is, which is part to do with the National Weather Service, and that sends you alerts of any warning, weather warnings in the area that you're at, whether it's a fire, high fire danger that day, gotcha. severe storms or whatever, yeah, so... Yeah, so it's not a big surprise that the most dangerous thing that you run across is other people. Um, yeah, that that yeah. I'm, I'm kind of down on the humans right now, so it's not not a huge <laughs> not a huge surprise. I mean, there's goodness everywhere, but good lord, there's some a holes on the road. Yep, um, okay. it's it's impossible. So uh, tell what else? What am I? What do you hope? And I'd ask like what yeah. what are we? What are some holes that I'm I'm I need to fill? Uh oh, let's see. I tell people that forecasting is as much as an art as science. Yeah. It's not 100% accurate. If it was, my job would be super easy. <laughs> if, right. I don't know exactly where to go and when. So that adds to what I'm doing. It's a luck of the draw. And also, of course, it seems I'm like chasing, the, the further west you go, uh, the harder it is to predict what the weather's going to do. It's almost like um, a short barreled gun versus a long barreled gun. Like it doesn't have a chance to even out too much. So like in New Mexico, they'll predict rain and nothing will happen for two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're on the edge of all that dry air yeah. down there as well. So that's very hard. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of storm chasers say that Iowa sucks because Iowa is so hard to forecast. Interesting. For some reason, I don't know why. Um, usually you go out there and chase expecting something great and nothing happens. And then, when nothing's expected, there's an EF5 tornado ripping through there. So, yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> Do they kind of spin like a top? Like, is it is it is that why they're unpredictable? Like, is that what, what's happening? Like, it just kind of... Well, there's so many different elements um, required. Like, for, for as I was explaining earlier, lift. Lift can be... One storm can produce a pool of cold air that flows out when the storm's decaying. Yeah. And that pool of air can create more storms ahead of it. But the, the cold air could also kill the atmosphere. So there, there's also an, a, a scenario where it's a capped environment. When you start getting warm air higher up in the atmosphere, you need even more energy for all the the storms to initiate to break through that cap. And once once they go, they and break that cap. There's all that pent up like a boiling pot with a lid on it. You take that lid off. Yeah, it's uh, if it's capped, it's just not going to go. So there's what's called a, a high risk, high bust scenario. Mm. The atmosphere is really juicy, and if it goes, it's going to go big. But, but if it's capped and it doesn't go, you could be sitting there looking at blue skies and wondering <laughs> what the hell you're doing. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So how worried are you about AI and the creation of photographic images and, and, and storms without anybody even being there? And I've seen some some pretty breathtaking yeah. images that don't of things that don't exist i mean how do you feel about that i mean i kind of yeah i've seen some storm chasers do ai and apparently it draws on their image database or something okay. some of them look some of them look fantastical and some of them look feasible and fantastical yeah so it is kind of scary i mean it, even now people steal images from other people and take the storms and throw it into the background of another storm and claim it's a storm that's going through say chicago or something and then it goes viral and then it's all bs yeah uh, yeah um, also every time a hurricane comes through somebody takes a picture steals a picture of somebody's 
supercell to an attic storm and say, hey, this is the hurricane coming. And it looks like this. And I was like, wow. But yeah, no, hurricanes are too big to get any any photos like right. that of in, in one frame of a still. So there's there's a lot of uh, stuff going around already. So yeah. is it going to be much to I don't know. I mean, I, to me, it's it's the man and it's the storm and it's the experience or it's the artist mm-hmm. and the experience. No matter what, it's like in our industry, I feel like people want to meet us. They want to almost like check and make sure that it's a decent human making the work as well because yeah. they don't want to hang anything in their house. I mean, they, they want that personal connection with the art on the street. Right. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I do worry about um but I mean, it is a lucrative business. It can be once you get to the top of your game and you're producing at a certain level and you're at the at the right shows, you can make a really great living. So I see yeah. the temptation in wanting to cheat, but it it is it is tough. It's a tough pill to swallow when you see people that are or you hear about it or you worry about somebody coming and be like, well, I'll just punch in, you know, these 10 words into a computer and let them spin me out some images go from there yeah yeah i do wonder if people are going to come in with made up stuff yeah um yeah what i frequently get asked at the art shows is is this one straight shot or is it multiple images put together frequently i mean i probably heard that about five times this last weekend right and i say no it's one straight shot my proof sheet is my storm chase log on my website where i show the sequence of the storm developing so you know i'm not making up stuff right um, oh, that that reminds me. I was going to tell you. Um, you know how there's different categories for art shows, right? Sure. Some shows split film photography and digital photography separately. The digital photography is also put in with digitally created work, right. digital art. Yep. For me to put a sign on my booth that says digital photography and or computer manipulated work. Ugh. I despise <laughs> <laughs> the amount of work that I put in to have the word manipulated on a sign in my booth makes me gag. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Well, I mean, that's why there's duct tape, though. Now, I have nothing wrong with um, digital work at all. No. Creations, the um, kaleidoscope um, work that some people do. Great. But I just don't want that word manip- manipulated in my booth. No. I get people. I, You know, when you're at the show and you get that teenage kid with trying to show off to his girl and saying yeah that's photoshopped as he walks by i i I have a presentation that i do to a lot of photo clubs actually did it for the storm chase convention um i did a presentation on how to photograph storms and i i have this section says ph is an f word (laughs) (laughs) where instead of photoshop shop p-h-o-t-o it's f-a-u-x shop where people are making up stuff right photoshop it depends what's the implication. If if it's edited, yes, it's edited. If it's made up, that's that's different. I tell people, people say, well, ad- editing's manipulation in the first place. And I go, yeah, but you go to the movies, don't you? Yeah, those are edited too, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but there's a big yeah. difference between dodge and burn and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bringing out the contrast if you're digitally, to just to get the proper colors and the right drama than making up a thing you know I, we all know that right that also brings me to wonder how different artists get asked different things at art shows <laughs> art shows people come into my booth and say wow you must have a really good camera and i say well when you go to a piano recital do you go to the pianist and say 
he must have a really good piano. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, I mean, that goes back to my, my old adage. It's like, you're the, you're the hottest person in the bar and they just want to, you know, they're coming up to you and be like, yeah, you come around here often. And you're like, I, well, that's a stupid thing to say. But at the same time, they're just like, they're fumbling. They're trying to make a connection. They're fumbling over their words. Yeah. You're the pretty lady, David. You just, they just want to talk to the pretty lady. <laughs> yeah, we all get all sorts of weird things. I want to, me and some other photographers want to make up a bingo card of some of the weird things that we get asked or see at an art show, like exotic pet. And you can cross that off and see if you oh, yeah. bingo line. Big old yellow snake. What camera do you use? Or, yeah, <laughs> all the usual stuff. Or, Yep, I'll be back later or whatever it is. Of course. I mean, it's, I do think that there, there are, uh, we're all saddled with burdens. I was trying to think about the different things that people have said to me. And then I've, I've gone to my wife. I'm like, nobody's ever said that to you. You're a jeweler. They never have said right. that. And I think yeah. that you're, uh, that she's lucky. And then I go into her booth and I try to sell. And then I realize that I, I never once get eye contact with anybody. And I, I'm like, well, there's half mm -hmm. of my sales technique. I don't even, I can't even see how interested they are because they're looking down. I can't even see their eyes. So the, everybody has right. their own, their own kind of burdens. But I feel like with, yeah, I think with the AI thing, it's, it's like a whole new set and you've got to steal yourself for the next round of uh, offensive things that people are going to be saying to, right. to all of us really. Right. Um, right. I'm well, just with the advent of um, smartphones, everyone's a photographer. Now, oh, right. So everyone's a photogra photography critique. Yeah. And a graphic designer. And I mean, there <laughs> goes the whole field. Right. And yeah. illustrators. It's all it all. But that brings me back to one of your earlier questions, actually, about whether storms are getting worse. But yeah, everyone's obviously population's bigger and everyone now has a cell phone. So if anything goes down anywhere, it's going to be caught. Yes. Someone's going to capture it and it's going it, to. It, it's i used to get really annoyed when i'm doing an art show or if i miss the best storm of the day and some some i was talking at belleville somebody had a relative who lived in pete's colorado and he said oh i have a my daughter in or something lives in pete's colorado I'm, oh, pete's i know pete's they had this fantastic land spout tornado that Somebody there had a cell phone and caught it. No single storm chaser was there, but it was one of the most beautiful tornadoes ever. Wow. <laughs> so um, you're talking about like Iowa being like uh, the most volatile. Don't forget that Iowa in Cedar Rapids had that derecho in, I think it was 2018. A derecho is a squall line, a line of storms that has a bow in it. And the bow is caused by these excessive winds that come out of it. They had winds, I think it was 140 mile an hour winds. Oh my God. Which is hurricane force for over 20, 25 minutes, um, wiped out trees, buildings, um, Easy yeah, really bad and broad damage, at least with a tornado, it's generally a small area. Yeah. So the chance of it actually hitting you is minimal. Whereas a duration, it just hits a whole big area, like a hurricane. Really. I've always pronounced that wrong. Uh, I think I've always pronounced it like Jericho or like rhyming with Jericho. <laughs> so pronounce that one yeah, for me again. Duratio. <laughs> Duratio. All right, cool. One more thing to be afraid of. But you think that those, you think it, it, it's, it's the storms are getting worse, but they're also, everything's being recorded at once. Right. So it like, it, it seems, is the sky falling? I mean, are, how, how are we in, in worse danger as artists in our little, you know, set up in a craft hut that's basically a box kite? Right. You know, just I feel like there's there are disasters just then there always have been. But do you feel like we're in more danger or is it is, is it a lot of chicken little? 
Yes and no. Uh, basically, if you think about it, all these storms are, are warm droplets of moisture on air currents. Yeah. And the Gulf of Mexico is warming up and the oceans are warming up, so there's more warm moisture around. But what seems to be happening, the last number of years have actually not been terribly productive as far as storm chase seasons have been concerned because the early storm season stays south, but the jet stream seems to be kicked north far earlier. Mm. So there's not been that much activity con compared to normal in the central plains. A lot of it has skipped all the way up into Canada from Texas, and the middle area has been missed. Wow. This year has been more than active um, than usual, uh, but we've now, for example, there's now a big low low pressure system over the Great Lakes. So there's a lot of cool area in the eastern plains, uh, whereas we're starting to warm up in the foot foothills. Uh, over here in Colorado area, so yeah, yeah, some areas more, some areas less. Right. So, of course, now we've got the risk of fires and everything as well. Ugh. There's all the smoke here in Colorado from from Canada, so it's crazy how they're not getting that up there. But yeah, some of that moisture might be going up there later this week. But right. well, it's gonna be enough to put out those fires. I can't imagine. Gosh. So. so you're you're capturing a lot of beauty in your work, and what I see is yeah. the, the drama of the colors and the and the beauty and the strength of nature. Is there anything that you right would not shoot as far as uh as far as the storms go is is there stuff that you're not interested in is that that maybe other people would be well there, there's always this question amongst storm chasers about ethics yes so there's uh, a, a storm chaser who photographed the aftermath of a scene <clears throat> posted a photo <clears throat> photo of a dead girl oh my gosh so do you i mean he he claimed he's a photojournalist I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a great chaser and a decent guy, but also an odd guy yeah, at the same time. Be. But uh, he claims he's a photojournalist and this is part of his reporting. Do you post stuff like that or not? Or do you not do it out of respect for the family? For example, if I got a tornado and it's ripping up someone's house, the debris in the sky is cool to see. And as long as you're not seeing any individual being hurt, I'm okay with that. But once say, if I got a picture of a car in the air <clears throat> with with people in it yeah <laughs> yeah what what do you do then so it's, it's not something people would want to have sitting on their wall i'm no. sure of that so. it's, i mean it's a, it's like well shot of a lifetime what the hell do i yeah. do with it yeah so yeah the aftermath stuff is you know dramatic and intense but uh carries weight to it it does and i mean you're talking about the ethics of it is there a certain um responsibility that comes along with reporting like do you feel a responsibility or a need to report the aftermath that it's not just the beauty of it is that just like that's just not what you're doing well when i'm out there the the, the spotter network posts our location and a number of times when i've been out there national weather service has called me up asking for observations of what i'm seeing what's going on um, they see rotation on, on radar. Am I seeing any of that? Is there a lowering? Is there a touchdown and so forth? So yeah, that's, that's all good, you know, information to pass on and report. Mm -hmm. You're not really a photojournalist. You're really more of, um, how do you right. describe the work that you do? It's, if it's not necessarily photojournalism, then maybe the responsibility no. of ca showing the other side is, is not there. Right. I'm, I'm showing the, the beauty of the beast. I try and capture the emotions of the sky from the dramatic through to the serene. It's, it's high call my work skyscapes instead of landscapes um well done yeah but when you're storm chasing i'm not 
if I'm alone and I'm there and I witness the tornado, I'm I'll report it, of course. If there's other chasers around, I'm probably too busy taking photographs, and I know other people are reporting it. A lot of people like to to claim it as their report, right? As a, as a trophy kind of thing, collecting trophies. Interesting. So, um, that exists then, huh? Fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some people report stuff as tornadoes that's not tornadoes, even if it's just a little dust dust ball that's spinning up. <laughs> just so they can say, hey, I, I'm not, another, another notch on the belt sort of thing. That's, <laughs> so that's always what I do with snakes. I see a snake and I'm like, I oh, saw yeah. a rattlesnake. And my wife's like, you're adorable. Go in the house. <laughs> 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 but I get it. You know, I, I, I get the, the idea of wanting to maybe sound uh, bigger or just maybe being yeah. terrified and uh, just blurting it out. But you don't feel like there's a responsibility in recording the the aftermath in your work. Like, that's not a thing that you do. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm if, if I've gone through a big chase yeah. and there's nothing going on the next day, I would most of the times when you go back and you look, there's going to be everything's going to be cordoned off there's often mm. um oh not not police military um to go out and they'll cordon off a town right. so people don't come and loot um so you, you often can't get in but uh, some of the things that you can you, you'll see just what flying debris can do bits of straw that can be impaled into brick oh my god at velocity you know it's Kind of wild, or a, a plastic fork that's into a bit of metal. Wow! <laughs> Flying at velocity, you wouldn't think it's even feasible, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure you've seen it. Like that's that's crazy. Um, yeah. man, I really appreciate you and your time. And look at that penny is just crawling out of bed. <laughs> How perfect is that? Right on time. <laughs> right on I've completely you. wasted your your one vacation hour of the day. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you so much david i'll let you get back to parenting and um i can't i can't thank you enough for your time i mean it, it's funny we'll leave some of the segments of of uh the us juggling time and kids and state yeah. farm because like that that is the artist's life right i mean that's we're constantly juggling right. all this stuff and that's what what we find ourselves doing with the show all the time as well so thanks again i'll let you get back to your life all right you too all right, no bro. worries speak again soon see you next time sounds good all right. I really enjoyed your talk here with David. I, it's really interesting to me that he's in such a, you know, it's such a dangerous field. Yeah. And yet he has like these safety measures in place that, you know, he he kind of knows what he's doing. He's, he's he, got a beautiful child and a beautiful wife and lovely family, and he doesn't want to uh, risk it. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's calculated risk we've talked about off and on mm-hmm. during this this show. And this is definitely part of that. Um, I mean, it's it's so funny to think about the parallels of him and his his storm chasing buddies and then his his art show buddies as well. And, and mm-hmm. the parallels that you have with those things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really, really interesting. I talk. just really appreciate his generosity, too. I mean, whenever I'm at a show with him, he's he's always given the word of what you know, what we should keep our eyes on, keep your eyes on the sky kind of thing and and giving us a heads up on what's, what's nobody's happening. got better weather apps than David Mayhew. That's right. I mean, that guy knows. <laughs> and um, he's not leaving himself out there for any any dangerous storms so if you get a chance to get on his text thread when you're at the same show that he's he's displaying his work then then definitely check that out he's also like he was just saying uh starting a facebook group too um Mm, posting different things and yeah um you know if he's got time but selling work takes precedent but uh definitely yeah very generous 
just like making and selling work takes precedence to podcasts. So we've got to yeah. get our we got to get back to it. So Let's really great it. week. Yeah. Hey, who do we have coming down the pike? Who are you talking to next? I'm sitting down with a couple of Zachmans. So nice, both of both them. Both of them. Different work. Yeah. So two for one. Yeah, yeah. I uh, learned a lot about Carl at uh, at one of my shows recently. We were neighbors, and just just a fun personality. And then Pop would come over and talk a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? If I talk to one of them without the other, it's not going to have the same effect. So it's definitely a twofer. <laughs> yeah, see if he can get see if he can get the grandson to come in and um, and give us some comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> be good. All right, buddy. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care, man. Bye bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by the National Association of Independent Artists. The website is naiaartists.org. Also sponsored by Zapplication. That's zapplication.org. And while you're at it, find us on social media and engage in these conversations. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when we release new episodes. Oh, and if you like the show, we'd love it if you would give us your five-star rating and offer up your most creative review on your podcast streaming service. See you next time. Thank you.